Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter and the 12th verse, to fight the good fight of faith. And of course we understand when the Bible tells us that, that we're not fighting against other human beings. The Bible is clear that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, you know, the devil and demons and so on and so forth is what that's making reference to. Although the devil can use uh, people and people can cooperate with the devil to, uh, you know, uh, come against us and so on and so forth. But our fight is not with human beings. And we understand that or should understand that if you've studied the Bible uh, to any degree over any length of time. But so again, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. And of course, uh, a a good fight is one that you win. So we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. And, you know, many things can happen in the course of a fight. And as we live our Christian lives... We, we realize and we should realize if you've, if you've been a Christian any length of time, if, if you've lived any length of time on this earth, there's, there's places where the devil opposes us and comes against us and, and we find ourselves in, in the midst of different struggles and so on and so forth. But many things can happen in a fight. If you, if you've ever watched, you know, wrestling on television, my grandma actually thought that was real, and it was more fun to watch her watch that than to actually watch it. It's the, the wrestling match itself because she'd yell and scream at the wrestlers and so on and so, so forth. But, but anyway, uh, if you've ever watched like like a legitimate boxing match, because that's legitimate boxing, whereas wrestling is is not not real. Uh, sorry for any of you out there who think it is, but it just isn't. I've been to a few wrestling matches at the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, and it's just not—it's just not real. Sorry, but it isn't. But boxing is real. So anyway, let me stay on the subject here. If you if you uh, watch any boxing matches, if you've ever watched boxing over the years, and those are legitimate, as far as I know, um, you know, there's ebbs and there's flows in in. In, in a boxing match or in, in, in a fight. And, you know, one, one opponent is winning for a while and then the other one, you know, starts winning for a while and the one's beaten down and then the other one gets beaten down and there's ebbs and flows. But with that being said, uh, you know, be, and I have, a, I have a prop here with me today. It's a towel. And you see, uh, you know, in, in a boxing match, each boxer's manager, you know, will will have, you know, various different things, you know, to uh, uh, help the boxer in between rounds, you know, medicines and ways to patch up the, the eyes if the eyes get split and so on and so forth, <laughs> you know. But they'll also have a, t- a towel. And in between rounds, you know, there's things can be done with that towel, uh, you know, beyond drying perspiration, of course, a towel is used to dry the perspiration and the manager will use a towel to do that with his boxer in between rounds. But beyond that, a, a towel can be used by a manager of a boxer for two different things, basically. One of them is this, is throw it in, throw in the towel. Have you ever heard the, the statement, throw in the towel? And, uh, you know, the trainer can do this when a boxer is getting pummeled by the opponent, by his opponent. And, and it means when, when, when a manager sees that his, his boxer is getting pummeled so badly and, you know, he's cut open, and there's blood flying everywhere and, or whatever the case, you know, he's, he, you know, he's down and out or whatever. The manager can take the towel and throw it in into the ring and the referee sees that and what that means is 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 hey we're giving up and we're quitting that's what it means to throw in the towel hey we're giving up and we're quitting a second thing that a towel can be used for beyond drying perspiration is it can be used by the manager it can be used as a fan and, and, and I've seen this many times where the boxer has been through a tough round 
and the manager, he, he hasn't thrown in the towel, but the boxer is sitting there and the manager is fanning him. And a towel can be used to fan by a manager to fan his boxer between rounds. And, and, uh, what, what this does, obviously it brings, it, it, it brings refreshment to the boxer so that he's able to go back out there and fight another round. And so with that being said, I, I just, I want to title this message today. Now I want to encourage you with it. And the title is don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up and quit. And really what I want to do today is beyond uh, encouraging you and telling you to not throw in the towel. I just want to just, just kind of take the word of God and just fan you. Some of you out there, you need a little fanning. You need a little, you, you, you need a little refreshment. And, and so I'm going to take the word of God and encourage you today and fan you, fan you with the towel and, and, and get you refreshed so you can go back out and continue to fight the good fight of faith. What do you say? Now, if you turn to Galatians, the sixth chapter and the ninth verse, it shows us and tells us that that we all need some fanners in our life. You know, some people that will be there to refresh us and, and help us so that we can, you know, go on out and continue to fight the good fight of faith. Notice what Galatians 6, 9 says. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Or another way to say that, if we don't become discouraged lose heart and give up and quit. So, you know, I want to say this to you just just based on this verse here, don't become weary in well-doing. Keep doing what you know to do for the Lord. Keep doing what it is the Lord's directed you to do. Keep living according to the Bible, and in due season you will reap if you don't give up and quit. Don't you dare throw in the towel and give up and quit. But hey, let me, let me fan you with it today with the, with the towel and we call this the, 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 the towel uh, that the Holy Ghost has unctioned here today for me to fan you and encourage you and refresh you and, and get you back up. Like I said, where, you know, charged up where you can go in and, and continue to fight the good fight of faith. But, uh, but you know, really the, the only way to lose in the Christian walk is if you give up and quit. So don't give up and quit because you will reap in due season if you don't give up and quit, if you don't throw in the towel. And that's what I'm here today to do, tell you, don't throw in the towel. Again, fanning you, refreshing you so that you're able to continue on with what God's called you to do. You know, I think of when we talk about not throwing in the towel, I think of, of various Bible characters who had many opportunities, uh, you know, in in their ministries in their lives to throw in the towel, and uh, and, and they didn't because uh, because they had somebody to fan them with the towel, so to speak, and encourage them and, and keep them going. And you know, I think the one Bible character who perhaps stands at the head of this list is the Apostle Paul, who God used to write uh, over half of the New Testament. And, uh, and, and Paul, I believe, I believe it's, it's in either 1st or 2nd Corinthians. It's in the book of Corinthians, either the first book or the second. He, anyway, you could look it up. Good assignment for you. But, but he writes down, and I'm just going to paraphrase this for you. He writes down all the different perils that he went through. And, and let me just, just paraphrase for you. And, and here's what Paul said at one point. He says, I've worked harder, harder. I've been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count. Well, he needed a fanner. <laughs> just listen. He said, I've been at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times. Pummeled with rocks once. In other words, they stoned him. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in the open sea for a night and a day, 
in hard traveling year in and year out, I've had to endure rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. Think about that. I've been at risk in the city, risk in the country, endangered by the scorching sun, the sea, storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. Think about that. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And that's not the half of it. He says, when you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches that, you know, that God had him overseeing. So it wasn't just physical difficulties that he faced, but of course, it was the, the concern that he had for all the churches that God had him overseeing, you know, that he had started and so on and so forth. And he wanted those Christians to do well and in the concern that he had for them and that, that emotional, mental concern. Sometimes that can be just as bad, if not harder than the, than the physical difficulties. But here's a man, the Apostle Paul, who had every reason time and again to throw in the towel and give up and quit. But you know what? He never did that. He never threw in the towel. Now, he had every reason to, but you know what? He never threw in the towel. He never gave up and quit. We know that because in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, right near the end of his life here on the earth, he said, I have fought the good fight. Remember, he, he's the one who said to fight the good fight. Well, he didn't tell us something to do that, that he didn't do himself. And, and at the end of his ministry, he said, I have fought the good fight. In 1 Timothy, he says, fight the good fight. In 2 Timothy, near the end of his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. And then he said, I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. So he finished his race successfully, though he had all those hard hard things going on, but he never threw in the towel. Thank God he didn't. And you know why he didn't? It's because he had people who fanned him with the towel, so to speak, who came into his life and refreshed him and helped him. And I believe that's perhaps one of the number one reasons that Paul never ultimately gave up and quit and threw in the towel and finished his course successfully is because he had people in his life to help refresh him and fan him with the towel. And uh, one person I can think of is Barnabas. Barnabas, who, um, you know, Barnabas, his name meant the son of encouragement. And he was an encourager. And in the in the early church there, you know, he was you know back in the book of Acts, he Barnabas was a person who who sought to encourage people, and and one of the people that he encouraged greatly was the was who we know as the apostle Paul. And in fact, Barnabas eventually became a traveling companion of of Paul and all of that. But you know what? I don't. I'm not so sure Paul would have ever became everything that he was supposed to be if it hadn't have been for Barnabas. And a lot of folks aren't aware of this, but Barnabas played an instrumental role, even though he became known as, as Paul's right-hand man or number two man or however you want to say it. Actually, Paul, I don't, I, you know, there's a good chance he may have never ever become all that he was supposed to be if it hadn't have been for Barnabas. And he may well, Paul may have well threw in the towel and quit if it hadn't have been for Barnabas. This man who encouraged him, encouraged Paul greatly. And uh, uh, if you go to Acts, the ninth chapter, after, you, you see, Paul was first known in the Bible as Saul of Tarsus. And then when he got saved, eventually his name was changed to Paul. But... Uh, but when he first got saved on the road to Damascus, uh, you know, <laughs> he went in there to Damascus and remember God spoke to him on the road and 
and, and he had that, that vision of the Lord Jesus Christ and he went into Damascus and then the Lord used Ananias to, to bring some, some direction and some words, of, you know, to, to, uh, to, to Saul who, who, Saul of Tarsus who became Paul. And, uh, of course they tried to kill him there. The Jews tried to kill him there in Damascus and he was let down in that basket, you know, and he escaped to Jerusalem. But notice here in Acts, the ninth chapter, verse 26. And when Saul, who, who became Paul, later on his name was changed. But when Saul had come to Jerusalem, now watch this. You think about a discouraging thing. He gets saved. I mean, he was, he was like the number one persecutor of the church and he gets saved in this, in this very dramatic conversion on, on the road to Damascus and he gets truly born again and he, he comes to Jerusalem. I mean, and, and he begins to declare Jesus as Lord and all of that. And, and, and he comes eventually to Jerusalem and, and notice he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and you can't really blame them, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple and, and they were not going to receive him. I mean, that's clear, clearly implied. Think about how down that would make you. I mean, all of a sudden you become a Christian. I'll put it, you know, in words we can understand. You become a Christian. You go to church. And they say, Don't come here. We, you know, you know, if you were persecuting the church and then you got saved and wanted to go to the church and they said, don't come here. Well, that's essentially what, what happened to, to, to Saul who, who became Paul. That's what happened to him essentially. And, and in Jerusalem, the disciples weren't going to have anything to do with him. They, they were afraid of him. And, but, but watch this. I mean, that would have been a good point for Saul or Paul to throw in the towel right there. Think about it. But verse 27 says this, and this is what I want you to get. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas did that. This man known as a man of encouragement, Barnabas took, took, took him, took Saul and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, on the road to Damascus and that he had spoken to him, that the Lord had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And as a result, the disciples received him, but it wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for that man named Barnabas who came in and fanned Paul fanned that situation, brought refreshment and encouragement to it. And hey, that might have been the end of Saul, who we know as Paul. That might have been the end right there if it hadn't been for Barnabas. Barnabas was one of the greatest fanners in the Bible. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it it didn't just stop there. In the process of time, uh, uh, you know, because people sought to, to kill Paul, he was sent to Tarsus. And, and, uh, he was there for quite some time and, uh, and he kind of drops off the, the pages of the Bible for, for a, a few chapters there in the book of Acts. And, uh, but in the process of time in Acts 11, verse 25, while other things were going on in the, in the Bible, you know, and, and, and whatnot, and, and a lot of activity, Saul, who is known as Paul, he's over there in Tarsus. And to my, from my study, we don't know much of what, what, what he was doing over there during that time. And, and you know, while he was over there, much, many other things going on in the Bible, and you can read it in the book of Acts, uh, between Acts, you know, Acts 9, particularly Acts 10 and, and so forth, and, and Peter's being used greatly, you know, there at Cornelius's house and all of that, while, while Paul is over in Tarsus. And you know, in my opinion, I think it would have, very possibly been easy for, for Paul over in Tarsus to feel like, you know, he's, he's been forgotten about. Have you ever felt like, like, like you've been forgotten about? Or, you know, people have forgotten about you or God's forgotten about you. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, you, that could really be, be a, a you know, a, a terrible thing or, or, or there's no more purpose for you. Perhaps that's what Paul was feeling over in Tarsus when he winds up over there and he's there for some time. Perhaps he felt like, like God forgot about him and everybody else forgot about him because he'd been, he'd been, God was using him, but now he's over there in Tarsus. Maybe, maybe thinking about, I don't know, maybe thinking about throwing in the towel. You know, it's, it's all over here. You know, I had a good little bout here of ministry and now it's all over. I mean, that's possibly what he could have been thinking. It's possible, very likely. 
But again, there's this man named Barnabas, known as a son of, his name meant son of encouragement, this encourager. And it's interesting in Acts 11, verse 25, says then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Wow, that, I mean, that just blesses me, that verse right there. Here's a man, he didn't, now we know God didn't forget about Paul, but, but, you know, is it possible some of the other disciples and some of the other people may have, you know, since he kind of dropped out of sight, kind of forgot about him? It's possible. But there was a man who didn't. His name was Barnabas, this man of encouragement. Again, one of the greatest fanners in the Bible. And he goes to Tarsus to seek Saul. He, you know, and again, when, when, when Saul or Paul was over there, possibly thinking about throwing in the towel, you know, it's possible. Uh, and likely, here comes this man named Barnabas, and he's seeking him out. He, he's, he's seeking out Saul, and he finds him, verse 26, when he found him, he brings him to Antioch. So it was for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And you see, what a great thing for the Apostle Paul right there. He may have well been thinking his ministry was over. He might have been thinking about, you know, when the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus and the things that the Lord had said to him. And, and then what the Lord had said to him through Ananias there in Damascus. And now uh, he's over, you know, uh, Paul's over in Tarsus thinking, well, I wonder if those things the Lord said to me, if they're ever going to come to pass. I wonder if, if, you know, if it just, you know, maybe not. None of those things are ever going to come to pass. Looks like I've been forgotten about. But and he might have been ready to throw that towel in. But here comes Barnabas. He didn't forget about him. He went and got him, encouraged him, brought him back in. Say, come on, let's go. And, and here comes Paul, and he gets he gets gets you know goes over there to Antioch and begins get, begins preaching and great things happening and all of that. And God uses him and brings to pass everything that he told him on the road to Damascus. Everything he told him through Ananias, it all eventually came to pass. But there was a man. Hey, Saul didn't throw in the towel, but there was a man who was a fanner. And he came over there and, and fanned the Apostle Paul with great encouragement and brought him back in and got him going into ministry again. And wow, great things happened and, and God eventually used him to write over half the New Testament. Glory to God. Thank God for the great fanners of the Bible. Those who people take the fan and, and, and fan people and encourage them and, and, and bless them. And you know, Barnabas wasn't the only one who encouraged Paul, I'm convinced Paul would have never been all that he was supposed to be without Barnabas. But there's another man named Onesiphorus. Now, don't ask me to spell it. I could spell it because I have it right here in front of me, but I couldn't spell it if I didn't have it here in front of me. Onesiphorus. Are you glad you're not named Onesiphorus? Well, I am. But Onesiphorus in 2 Timothy 1 verse 16, 2 Timothy 1 verse 16 uh, the, the Apostle Paul is writing here and he says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. Now, not just once in a while or occasionally, but often this man brought refreshment. Here's another fanner of the Onesiphorus. He'd take that towel, so to speak, and fan the Apostle Paul. Think about it. A man that God used to write nearly, or over half, we could say easily, of the New Testament, he, I mean, he got down at times, we know he did, thought about throwing in the towel, but here's another man that God used to refresh the Apostle Paul, and, and, and because of this man, I'm convinced, uh, along with Barnabas, that Paul never ultimately threw that towel in. Glory to God. And then, if you go to Acts, the 14th chapter, and verse 19, it says this, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and this is to Lystra, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul. Think about that. He talked about, you know, where he had been beaten, or, or not beaten, but thrown, where they'd thrown rocks upon him. We read it earlier, or I paraphrased it to you earlier. But here's, he's referring here to when it actually happened. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, you think about a boxing match. I mean, these guys were using more than boxing gloves. I mean, they, 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 were, they threw rocks on him. They stoned him. 
to the point of death and drug him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, if there was ever a time to throw in the towel, I think this would have been it. You think about it. But in verse 20, the Bible says, when the disciples gathered around him, the disciples gathered around Paul, who's laying there, left for dead. The disciples gather around him, and, and I'm convinced they prayed and, 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 and cried out to God. And, and, you know, for the purposes of this message, they, you know, they were fanning him with the towel, so to speak. And notice what the Bible says. Paul rose up and went into the city and he goes on with ministry. What a time to throw in the towel. If there ever, like I said, if there ever was a time to throw in the towel, this would have been it. But thank God for these disciples, unnamed. We don't know their names, but thank God they were there. God used them, and, and they fanned uh, uh, Paul, so to speak, and, and, and prayed and sought God on his behalf. And I tell you what, Paul didn't throw in the towel, but he got up, and he went back in the city and went right on with his ministry. Glory to God. Praise God. This That, that excites me. But you see... Uh, uh, he never threw in the towel, but he needed people at times to fan him with the towel. And as a result, you know, God used him greatly. And, and we have over half of the New Testament because of it. Glory to God. And if that's not enough, there was another time when, when Paul talked about that thorn in the flesh. And he told us exactly what it was. It was a minister of Satan to buffet him. And I think it's clear what that, that minister of, or that demonic power was doing. It was stirring up the people to persecute Paul. I think that's, there's, it wasn't sickness and disease that was hitting his body. But if you carefully study your Bible, you'll see that, that, that in my opinion anyway, this demonic power was stirring up people, people that were willing to cooperate with the demonic power and, and bringing persecution against the Apostle Paul, but be that as it may, whatever the case, there was a messenger of Satan, a demonic power that buffeted Paul. And, uh, but it's interesting, you know, the Bible says, or Paul says, he says he sought the Lord on three occasions about it. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord never told Paul to throw it, throw in the towel. No, he rather fanned him with the towel, so to speak, and said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Glory to God. And so, you know, God is the greatest encourager and the greatest fanner of, with the towel that there ever was. And that's what he did to the Apostle Paul when he was being buffeted by that minister of Satan, that, that, that demonic power. God fanned the Apostle Paul and, and, and said, my grace is sufficient and fanned him with that grace. Glory to God. I like getting fanned with who I like it. I like getting fanned with the grace of God. How about you? Praise God. And that grace of God, the ability of God came on the apostle Paul and, uh, and he went right on with the work of God. Glory to God. Well, this is, this, this, this excites me. And, uh, so, the Apostle Paul, what a good example of this, this, this towel message that I'm preaching to you today is he never threw it in. He fought the good fight and, and he, 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 Paul had his ups and he had his downs. But when he had his downs in those, <laughs> in, in the fight of, fight of, uh, uh, of the life that he lived, that we all, that we all live, he had those people when he was down to fan him with the towel. Glory to God. And as a result, he, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. But it wouldn't have happened. I'm convinced if those people hadn't have been there to fan him with the towel, uh, when he needed it. Glory to God. And you know, there's, there's other people in the Bible, I think, and other examples in the Bible. You know, just a few of them that I think of is, remember when Elisha and his servant, they were surrounded. Remember with the Assyri by the Assyrian, the Assyrians had him surrounded and, and that young servant of Elisha said, what are we going to do? There's, you know, we're, we're in trouble. We're surrounded by the enemy. There's a whole bunch of them out there. He was probably shaking in his boots and, and probably ready to just throw in the towel. We're out, we're, we're vastly outnumbered. But Elisha, remember, 
he, he told the young servant, I believe he, he fanned, he fanned the young, the young, the youngster with the, with the towel and said, Hey, you know, uh, there's more that be with us than be with them. And then he asked the Lord to open the young man's eyes and he opened his eyes and he saw that the hills were, uh, uh, f- uh f- you know, filled in a blaze with the, with the, the warring angels of God, you know, and, and a great victory for Elisha and that young servant came out of it. But, but you see, Elisha, uh, the young man didn't throw in the towel because Elisha encouraged him and said, hey, there's more good guys than bad guys. Hey, I want to encourage you. If you're out there and you feel like you're surrounded by the enemy and you're ready to throw in the towel, don't do it. Hey, there's more, uh, you know, there's more of the angelic power than there are the devil's demons. Glory to God. More angels than demons. Praise God. And just don't throw in the towel, but, but there's more that be with us than that be with the enemy. Glory to God. Don't throw in the towel, but just take what I just said as a, as a, as, as me fanning you with the towel. Don't give up and quit. Don't throw in the towel, but go on. Praise God. And, and, and have a great victory like Elisha and his servant. You know, there's another uh, person that I think of is David, you know, and when he was, uh, him and his men came back to Ziklag, you know, that, that, that town or whatever. And, uh, the, the Amalekites, the enemy had come in there and ransacked the town and kidnapped the women and the children and, and burned the city and, and burned that, burned Ziklag and, and it was just a bad thing. And David and his men, they were weeping. They were sad. The Bible says they wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's own men even thought about stoning him. And I mean, what a low time that was for David. And he was greatly distressed. And there again, if there was ever a time to think about throwing in the towel, that would have been it. But the Bible says... And this is something we all have to learn to do. Listen carefully because now thank God, thank God when, when you have your pastor there, you know, fanning you with the towel like I'm doing here today and I'm fanning people with the towel and encouraging you with the word of God. And thank God when you have me or other uh, good ministers or friends or other Christians or whoever, you know, that are there to fan you and that's good. But there's times, listen, there's times you know, where, where I'm not around or other ministers or pastors aren't around or other Christian friends aren't around and people aren't around to encourage you. And you have to learn to encourage yourself. And that's what David did in this situation. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And I tell you what, that's what you're going to have to learn to do. Because like I said, there's not always going to be somebody around to uh, fan you. So you got to learn to fan yourself. Absolutely. You got to learn. I'll do, you got to learn to fan yourself. Okay. You got to learn to fan yourself. When there's people not around to fan you, you're going to have to learn to fan yourself. If you don't learn to fan yourself, you're going to wind up eventually throwing the towel in. Take it from me. You got to be able to at times fan yourself. And encourage yourself in the Lord. What do you, what do you mean in the Lord? What do we do? Go get in the Word of God. Go in the Word of God. Find scriptures that, that fit your situation and begin to read those and meditate those and, and begin to praise God. And, and, and I tell you what, as you do that, the, the, the power, the Bible says God inhabits the praise of His people as you begin to praise God and study His Word. That, that brings a refreshment. Uh, uh, you know, the Bible says there's great refreshing in the presence of the Lord and you go get in God's presence and, and, and worship him and bless him and praise him and, and his power will manifest and bring refreshment to you. But, but you've got to, you've got to, you've got to go do that on your own. Cause like I said, there won't always be somebody there to fan you with the towel. So you got to learn to fan yourself. Okay. Glory to God. And, uh, you're just going to have to learn how to do that. You know, I'm glad I have this towel here. Actually, these lights are kind of hot today. I could, I could, I could use it to wipe the perspiration. And I could use it to fan myself. If I, if I get discouraged and if I see you're discouraged, hey, I'm fanning you with it. Glory to God. Praise God. Hey, so that's David. Then, you know, another one that I think about is Job. You know, Job, remember him? And he was the richest man in the East, but he lost all of his possessions 
He lost, unfortunately, you know, it's not a laughing matter. He lost his possessions. He lost his children. He lost his health. And you know, when he did that, there was a, uh, his wife. Remember Job's wife? And remember what she said. Now, she did not take the towel and fan Job. Now, she didn't. Now, thank God I've got a wife who is a great fanner. And she has taken the towel, so to speak, and fanned me with it many times over the years. Glory to God for a great wife. But Job didn't have that advantage. And his wife told him, curse God and die. Remember that? In other words, put it, put it another way for the sake of this message. She, she told him, curse God and just throw in the towel. And then if that wasn't enough, Job had three quote unquote friends <laughs> and with friends like Job, who needs enemies, right? But they show up. And, and if you study that in the book of Job, they certainly didn't bring the towel over to fan Job. Absolutely not. I mean, by the time they got done with Job, I mean, anybody would have wanted to throw the towel in. Absolutely. But you know what? Without understanding the reason behind all of his difficulties, Job, you know what he did? He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't listen to his wife. He didn't, he didn't go along with his friends and all of that. You know what he did? He fell to the ground and worshiped God. And again, the Bible says times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. What did Job do? He essentially did what David did. He fanned himself. He fell to the ground and he worshiped God and he got in the presence of God. And eventually, as a result of it, he triumphed over all that adversity and he was able to finish his course and he never threw in the towel. He, like I said, he fanned himself with it, encouraged himself in the Lord. And at the end, he was blessed with twice as much as he had when he started. Isn't that wonderful? So don't throw in the towel, no matter how bleak it looks, no matter how bad it looks. I mean, Job and, and, and David and, and Paul, I mean, some of these guys were, I mean, they were, they were as, about as low as you can go. But they didn't throw in the towel but they, they got fanned by others or they fanned themselves. And you know what? They finished successfully and you can too. Glory to God. And then just a couple others that I think of. I, I think it's good to just think about these Bible characters who, who face the same kinds of things we face and, and we see what they did. We can do the same thing and be just as, get, get the same results they got. And, uh, but I think about Nehemiah. You know, and, and God used him to, uh, along with others to rebuild Jerusalem and the wall there, you know, after, after the Babylonian captivity, that 70 year, uh, 70 years of captivity when the Jews were in captivity there, there in Babylon for 70 years. And, but God used Nehemiah and others to rebuild Jerusalem and the wall and all of that. And, uh, and you could read that over in the Old Testament, but, you know, uh, Nehemiah and his work crew were harassed and ridiculed as they rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem, you know. And the Bible said that it, it got so bad, they were harassed so bad by, by people. That, have you ever been harassed by, by somebody? Well, actually, the Bible says that, that, that as they were doing their work, that, that people uh, were hired to come and discourage Nehemiah and the others who were rebuilding Jerusalem and the wall. Think about that. Have you ever had somebody hired, paid to discourage you, a paid discourager? Think about that. Somebody getting paid to come and tell you to throw in the towel, give up and quit. Well, that's what the case was here. There were people that were getting paid to come and discourage this, this building crew that, that, that God had going there. And, and, and the Bible says that, that it, it got so bad that they had building utensils in one hand and weapons in the other. And they were essentially building the wall with one hand and beating off the enemy, so to speak, with the other, or fending off the enemy with the other. You think about that. You think about that. What a time to throw in the towel. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And, and I'm glad that they didn't. And, uh, uh, and, and the Bible says that Nehemiah, and you could read this, I'd encourage you to go find it. 
Here's what he said to these harassers and to these people that were, were, were telling him to throw in the towel. He said, I'm doing a great work. Now, you know what? If, if you just look at that, you might think, well, that's haughty or prideful. No, no, no. He was doing the work that God told him to do. And, you know, I've found this out after, you know, almost 30 years, well, really 30 years of ministry, that, that there are times that people, whether knowingly or unknowingly, will, will uh, uh, speak less of what you're doing or not esteem it. Maybe a better way to say it is not esteem to the full what you're doing. And when that happens, it's, it's real, real easy to get down and discouraged and think, well, maybe I'm really not really accomplishing much for the Lord. And I tell you what, you can get in some low moments, particularly if you're a minister out there and you're listening to me. I tell you what, there's low, there's high points in ministry. There's low points in ministry. And particularly when people don't esteem the, the, the thing that God's called you to do as they should, and, and they'll say things or, or do things or won't say things or do things that they should. You, you understand. And you can get really, really, really low. But you know what? You have to know what God's called you to do. And if you're doing that to the best of your ability and you're doing it by faith and doing it with a right heart, you know, you need to be like Nehemiah and say, hey, I'm doing a great work. It's not a prideful statement, but if God told you to do it, it is a great work. And if you're doing his work, it is a great thing. And and be like Nehemiah. Don't throw in the towel when people are harassing you and, 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 and you know, <laughs> and under esteeming you and all of that, don't throw in the towel, but just, hey, if you're doing what God's told you to do, hey, hey, fan yourself, fan yourself. Don't you throw in that towel, fan yourself and say, hey, I'm doing a great work. I'm doing what God's told me to do. And that's what Nehemiah did. He said, I'm doing a great work. And you know what? Nehemiah didn't throw in the towel, but he rather he fanned himself with it. And, And you know what? Something else he did is he prayed. He prayed. He said, oh, God, strengthen my hands. And, and, and actually, he did it while he was working on a wall. You know, he, he didn't take time even from my study, study of it to get down on his hands and knees and, or down his hands. And like, you know, like we would think he's just up there working and said, oh, God, God, strengthen my hands. Right when he's, you know, you don't have to get down on your knees and put your hands together and close your eyes for God to hear you when you pray. Just keep doing what God's told you to do. Say, oh, God, strengthen my hands. I tell you what, that's a form of fanning yourself with the towel. And that's what Nehemiah did. He didn't throw it in, but he fanned himself and, and victoriously completed a monumentous, that's the right word, a big task. He finished, he finished, he finished it. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Because he fanned himself. He encouraged himself and he, he esteemed what God called him to do when others weren't. Well, I tell you what, I didn't have that in my notes, but uh, I tell you what, if you know what God's called you to do, you esteem, you esteem it even if others aren't. You esteem it. And God will honor it. And you don't throw in that towel, but you continue to encourage yourself and continue to say, I'm doing, I'm doing a great work. And do that and continue to Pray that God strengthen you and he will and you'll bring it to fruition. You'll, you'll fight that good fight and you'll finish it like the Apostle Paul, like Nehemiah and these others, these others did. And then, and then two more that I, that I think of just trying to encourage you with some Bible characters and what they went through. But you know, Joshua had a great uh, victory at Jericho. And then after that, this great city of Jericho, great victory. But after that, he, he and the people of God came up against this little bitty city of Ai. Ai. That's Ai. We could all spell that. Ai. Spelled just like it sounds. Ai. Okay? Ai. And they came up against that little city and they suffered a massive defeat. And after beating that big city, Jericho, now this little city, now I could preach a whole message on why that happened. There's several reasons for it. I'm not going to get into all that now. Maybe I'll preach a message on that down the road. But for this message here, after suffering the defeat in that little city of Ai, Joshua is in the mully grubs and he's laying down on his face in the mully grubs. Can't figure out, you know, necessarily 
why, 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 why all this, all, why all this happened? How can we beat that big city and <laughs> we can't beat this little one? And, and again, there's reasons for it. I could preach a whole message on it, but here's what I want you to get for right today. God, the second member of the Trinity, peer, appears to him. And you know what he said to him? And you can read this over in the book of Joshua. He doesn't tell him, oh, you know, how, how, could you, how could you lose to such a little city? You know, I'm just so ashamed of you. I just throw in the towel. You know, he didn't say that. No, the Lord appeared to him, told him some things of what, what had happened and why it occurred. You could read it in the book of Joshua. I'll probably preach a message on it down the road. But here's what I want you to get. You know what, what the Lord told him? He said, boy, why are you laying there? I put it in my own words. Why are you laying there on your face like that? Get up. You know, I think all of us need to hear that once in a while. It's so easy to get down in the mully grubs and we just need somebody to boldly say, why are you laying there on your face like that? Why are you sitting there in that chair like that all down in the mully grubs? Get up. Get up and do what God's called you to do. And that's what God told Joshua. He didn't tell him to throw in the towel but he very sternly, from my study of it, took that towel and fanned him. And, you know, Joshua's down. He's down for the count, you know, and the referees count, you know, one. What do you get? A 10 count? Two, you know, three, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, nine. And Joshua's down. And all of a sudden, the Lord, you know, the Lord shows up. The Lord is, you know, the Lord, something about the Lord I've learned. He is never early. But you know what? He's never one second late. You know what? He's he's perfect. He's always right on time. And I think, you know, as that referee, so to speak, you know, I'm having a little fun with this, but he's counting down Joshua. He just lost to AI. Count seven, eight. You know, Joshua laying there on his face. Eight, nine. And the Lord appears to him, you know, and says, why are you laying there on your face like that? Get up, you know. And then I think about Hulk Hogan. You ever see that wrestler, that wrestler Hulk Hogan, you know, he'd be beaten down and out. He's laying there and everybody thinks it's over, you know, and then all of a sudden he starts shaking. He starts shaking, you know. <laughs> And the Hulkster would get up, you know, and he'd come back and he'd, 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 he'd defeat his opponent. Boy, I tell you what, now my grandma never got to see Hulk Hogan, but I tell you what, if she had got to see him, I don't know what would have happened. She would, <laughs> I don't know how we would have been able to contain her because she watched some of the calmer wrestlers back in the 60s and the 70s before it got so flamboyant. <laughs> and she went, did she get all stirred up? But if she could have seen some of the stuff that Jesse the Body Venture and, you know, some of these mean Gene Okerlund and so, all those interviews and some of these things, I tell you what, <laughs> my grandma would have had. I, anyway, but can you see Joshua laying there, you know, and they're counting, you know, seven, eight, nine, and the Lord appeared and said, boy, why are you laying there? Get up! And, and Joshua just starts shaking under the power of God and gets up and, and does what God tells him to do and goes in. He doesn't throw in the towel, bless God, but God fans him and he gets up and he goes in and he, and he, <laughs> and they take down AI and they go on and not only do they defeat AI, but they had other great victories, many other battles they won after that as well. Glory to God. And then, well, I've encouraged myself. If I haven't helped you, I've encouraged myself. And then the last one is J. Iris. You think about that, his little daughter, 12 years, I think she was, what, 12 years old? Anyway, young daughter, laying at the point of death, he goes over to get Jesus, and, and he gets Jesus, and they're headed over to his house because his daughter is lying at the point of death. And as they're going, the woman with the issue of blood interrupts the situation and detains Jesus. And while that was all going on with the woman with the issue of blood, word comes that the little girl has died. Now, you think about it. I think they said, why trouble the master any further? If I'm not mistaken, but be that as it may, the word comes, daughter's dead. And you know what? What a time, if ever there was one, to toss it in, throw it in. My daughter's gone. But thank God, thank God, thank God, the greatest fanner of all times, the Lord Jesus Christ is standing there. And word has just come. And you know what? When any, almost anybody would have thrown in the towel, 
Jesus said to him, he started fanning him, started fanning Jairus. He said, don't be afraid, only believe. Glory to God, fanned him. Whoo, fanned him with the, I, I the Holy Ghost fire flowing there, brother. Glory to God, they go over to the house and when they get over there, now word has come that she's dead. When they get over there, the, the mourners are out there. They're mourning and they're wailing and they're going on, professional mourners, and they're going on. And, and you know what? Jesus, I mean, I, I we'll put it this way. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with mourning somebody when, when they're dead and all that. But I mean, if you study into it, they were. Anyway, let's keep it simple here. And gee, I mean, well, I'll put it another way. These mourners over there were the, the throw in your towel people. Throw in the towel. They've already given her up. She's, I mean, she's, she's dead. Throw in the towel people. The throw in the towel committee. <laughs> you ever had a throw in the towel committee? <laughs> I tell you, around churches, a lot of committees around churches, and sometimes pastors get blessed with the throw in the towel committee. I don't like those committees. I like the fanning committee. Glory to God. I like to, you know what I mean? I, and I, I like to, I, over the many years of pastoring, I had to throw in the towel committee, but I also had the fanning committee. Glory to God. I like those committees better than the throw in the towel. But throw in the towel committees there but over at J.R.'s house. You know what Jesus said? Jesus put them all out. He put every he put them all out. You got to put the throw in the towel committee out. You got to put them out. There ain't no other way to do it. If, you, if you're going to get victory, you got to put the throw in the towel committee out, put them out. And you take the fanning committee in there. And that's what Jesus did. He took, he took Peter, James, and John. He went in there with the, with the mother and the, uh, uh, of the, the girl and Jairus. And, and he raised, glory to God, he raised her from the dead. Praise God forevermore. And she got raised up from the dead. So you got to put the, you don't throw in the, Jairus didn't throw in the towel. You got to put out the throw in the towel committees. You got to get them out. And he just went to fanning people. Glory to God. And they went in there as the little girl got raised from the dead. Well, I tell you what, glory to God. I think this is a good message today, even if I did preach it myself. I tell you what, it brought encouragement to me. I trust it brought encouragement to you. And I'll leave you with this. Don't you throw in that towel. But, but thanks for letting me fan you a little bit today. And if you don't have anybody else around as you go on down the road, learn to fan yourself. Glory to God and fight that good fight and finish the race. Well, I trust this blessed you today. If you're out there and you don't know Jesus, there is a heaven to gain. And there is a hell to shun. And the only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus with that believing, repentant heart will be saved. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven one day and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Well, God bless you. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>